Hey there, it's Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, host of the Pat Miller Show. This show is for small business owners so they can make their business dreams come true. Our slogan is Don't Grow It Alone. And what you're going to hear is a broadcast of our show that's carried in 25 cities around the country. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Hope you love it. All right, let's go. Broadcasting from the small business capital of America, this is WIIFM Milwaukee, an idea coach station. You're on the small business journey, and sometimes you need a dose of creativity and a helping hand, and that's why we're here. Welcome to the Pat Miller Show, where we build big ideas live without a net so you can turn your small business dreams into reality. You show up and share what you're building, and we'll rally to help make it bigger, better, faster, more. And it's not just what will be, we also want to hear your wins along the way. So we are all reminded that small business success is here for every single entrepreneur that gets clear, works hard, and doesn't quit. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, your host of the show. If you want to be a part of the show, we've got two ways you can do it. The first way is to come on. Be on the show. We want to meet you. I want to hear what you're building, and I'd love an opportunity to help it grow. So come on and share your challenge or opportunity, or you can share a big win in your business. We'll celebrate together, and then I'll ask you how it happened and what you learned so everyone can get a little bit smarter by hearing about your success. The other way you can get involved is subscribe to the show and be a part of the family that tunes in every week here on the Pat Miller Show. We have Sam and Jen standing by. We're going to get to them in one second. But first, can we talk about how wrong the media is? I am really tired of being, what's the word, patronized, condescended. There's a word here that I'm struggling to find. But I'm really tired of it. In fact, tell me if you've heard this before. Oh, small business is in trouble. Oh, well, with the state of small business. Oh, you know, small business owners are doing terribly. And in this economy, blah, blah, blah. How many times have you heard that in the last 90 days? As if people that don't know small business assume we're all just too dumb to work in corporate. They think because we're building a barbershop or a coaching practice that we can't make it at IBM, so we must be at the whim of the economy, and oh, the economy is so bad, and those poor small business owners. No. No. Now, there are headwinds. There are things that are making our life more difficult. It's hard to find good people, as it always is. The cost of capital is going up. Supply chain kind of sucks and we have to adapt to the things we sell and what we charge for stuff and things that we are spending our money on is getting more expensive so we're bringing home less than we used to all of those things are true but i'll tell you inside the idea collective and the people that i talk to on this show many of them are having record months record months as in right now record months as in best month they've ever had not best July they've ever had, best month they've ever had. That's the kind of activity that's happening. 
Why is that? The thing that the media misses and the thing that other people miss is that small business owners, we're going to adapt. We're not going to wait around for someone to solve our problem because we can't afford to. We have to find a way to make the mortgage. We have to find a way to keep the doors open. That's the heart of being an entrepreneur, isn't it? Problem solving, coming up with ways to make things work. So in this time of disruption and confusion and is the market going to be okay or are we going into the dumper? I'll bet on small business owners because we're going to figure it out. That's just what we do. And that's what we do on this show. Talk to small business owners every day to hear what they're facing, and we try and help them solve their problems. So let's get to the solving. Let's welcome in our first guest. Sam Curtis is on the line. Sam, thank you for joining us this morning. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into how we can help you today. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm Sam Curtis. I'm a life coach and mindfulness mentor, which basically means I get to spend my days talking with people about the things that frustrate them and helping them find answers to, you know, overthinking and just who they are, what they want to be and where they want to go. And I absolutely love it. Say that again. Who they say. What did you just say? That was really good. (laughs) Who they are, where they want to be, and where do they want to go. I love that. All right. Well, that sounds amazing. Uh, I would wonder, what do you need our help for? What's on your mind? How can we help you? I love showing up for my clients. Put me in a room with people, and I'm great. People can throw ideas at me left, right, and center. And by some magic, unbeknown to me half the time, I have answers that can support them. However, (laughs) social media and I are far from best friends. I didn't have any form of social media presence before I started my business. And I am learning the ropes, or I should say I've learned the ropes and I hate the ropes. I want to cut the ropes. (laughs) And so I'm desperately trying to find different ways of showing up and having that opportunity to support people that isn't heavily reliant on social media. So I'd love to pick your brains around this topic. I think that's a great question and something that so many people face. Let's start with where the business is. Are you at a successful level of the business? Like are things good and you want to make them better or things aren't working at all and you need a recovery plan? So things are good. I'm a few years into my business and it's been growing year on year, which is fantastic. I am getting the majority of my clients. So initially I would say that a lot of my clients came through referrals, but also through some form of social media presence. When I was starting up, obviously, I had a lot of time that I could spend face to face. Now I've got, you know, almost a full book of clients, which is fantastic, but my time is limited. And I find that most of my clients these days come through still referrals, which is wonderful, but also directories. So I have a presence because I'm part of the Association for Coaching and all that kind of stuff. So it's good. Everything's good, but it requires me to be on. And I'm trying to grow my blog, my, you know, my SEO, <laughs> which is a whole, whole, game in itself and have that presence without the need to create pretty pictures in Canva all the time. Oh, and that is such a time suck. And the reason why I ask about where your business is right now is if you were grading your social media performance and you didn't think you were giving yourself top marks, but the business is still successful, that's fantastic. So we're starting at a good place. You're not in a deficit to begin with. What I want to talk about is what do you want out of social media? Why are you doing it at all? And what does a good job look like? If you've already got a full book, 
You know, social media, in your case, could be a nurturing activity. It could be an awareness activity. It might not be a lead factory. It just could be the care and feeding of people that might want to hire you someday. So what are some of the things you've done on social that worked or you felt were sustainable so we can do more of that and less of what best practices are just because someone else said you should do them? Because we can customize what you do for your business. So what has worked in the past and what do you want to get out of it? Great questions. Um, What I want to get out of it is I want it to feel light. I want it to feel supportive for both me and where my business is at and, you know, potential clients, you know, that whoever it is, if they don't have the funds for coaching or they're just not there quite ready yet, but they want some answers, that it's a space where they can go and start that journey. Um, I think, you know, it's so important that we all have the opportunity to find out things that we want to know or learn, regardless of whether we've got millions in the bank or, you know, hundreds of pounds in the bank or whatever. So I, I want it to be a space like that, but I want it to be light. I think that's a brilliant start of awareness and to start their journey because this is the top of your awareness funnel who is sam curtis what's going on there and how do i get more involved if i like what's being said so what have you done in the past that's delivered that feeling that you're looking for you phrased that so far so much better than i have (laughs) so thank you for that um what have i done in the past that's worked I'm not really sure. I think half of my problem is the consistency with it because I don't enjoy it. I, you know, I, I commit to certain things. Like I I did a 10 week video series about mindfulness and having time to log off. I think I called it because it was a chance for people to log off, join me live and, and just find a little bit of peace in the end of their day. Um, I've done coaches corner where I've had conversations with other coaches to kind of dispel myths. And I'm definitely better on video having conversations or running practical activities than I am, you know, like I don't know how to promote a blog post on it because there's so much you put into a blog post that trying to capture it into a single square or, you know, a short carousel just doesn't seem to do it justice. So I know I'm better showing up verbally with all my stuttering and mumbles and mistakes because that's just who I am than I am written. I'm also dyslexic, so my dyslexia gets in the way sometimes when I I get quite blocked up with the writing. But what's worked in terms of numbers and data, I couldn't tell you. Oh, Sam, I can so relate with this. Social media can be frustrating because it's bottomless. You can never do enough, it feels like, and there are a million different platforms, but it's also a platform of expression. We're not writing mathematical equations. We're putting some creativity and energy into what goes on the platform. So the first rule for social media, I always think, is to pick the mode you're most comfortable in. If you pick the mode that you're comfortable in, it'll be something you feel natural doing. And if you feel natural doing it, you'll stick with it. If you hate writing but decide to write blogs, you're in for a bad time. So I start that conversation so we can pick something for Sam here. The first step in what works is a modality that you're able to repeat and feels light. If I said to you, okay, here's what will work. Intensive five-page blog posts that you need to do all of this work on, you need to do nine of them a week, that will work. That's not a plan because it doesn't fit what your natural modality is and something that you can replicate. And as you said, make it feel light. So the first thing for social media I believe in is how do you like to show up? Do you like to write? Do you like to use graphics? Do you like to do audio? Do you like to do video? And you like to do video. Okay, cool. So videos are easy to do. You have a lovely speaking voice. I'm sure you're great on camera. That's not an issue at all. 
Now let's solve for x. It's like algebra. 4 plus x equals 11. So we got to solve for what y and x is. So go to the last person that came into your coaching practice or some of the people that have come into your coaching practice. What was the light bulb that had to go on in their head for them to go, I'm going to work with her? What was the thing that took them from, oh, that's interesting, to I need to work with her? Can you verbalize any of those ideas or light bulbs that went off? Because that is the missing variable in your social media equation. I wish it was that straightforward, that it would just pop into my head. So the last client, um, in fact, this morning that I spoke to and signed, um, she came through a referral. So she was so frustrated. She spoke to someone and they happened to be a client of mine and they referred her. Um, I think that theme of frustration, um, where it just gets too much and there's a, there's a Google who can help me with this type response. My clients tend to be really self-aware, really intellectual. So they've searched for a lot of the answers already. There's a lot of self-help books that have been bought and half read, YouTube videos that have been watched, and they're looking for that personalized and practical approach, which is something I'm super keen on, is making sure that there's tangible actions. Does that kind of help? (laughs) Absolutely. Because what you're doing is exactly what we're trying to do, is you're filling in the blanks. If your best clients are the ones that are aware they need help, curious enough to go try and find it, but they need that trusted guide to take them from I need help to I got help. Now we can create a video series. I love what you said, half-read self-help books. I think that's incredible. If you did a video series where you said, hey, uh, Mel Robbins' High Five Habit, one of the most popular books out there for self-help, But if it's half read, here's what she's trying to say. And if you want to take these strategies and make them real, come work with me. And you do a video series of half read self-help books with Sam or something like that, where it's just a consistent way for you to show up and share the overall vision of some of these self-help practices that are out there. Because your point of view, I would imagine, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but your point of view sure seems to be, I can tell you what to do. You need help to make it happen, or you would have done it already. I'm here to be your guide and take you to transformation. Is that right? Completely. I'm, I always say to clients, they're like, oh, thank you so much. I couldn't have done it without, or they, they say, thank you so much. I needed you. I'm like, no, you didn't. You had it within you. All I did was open your mind to the possibilities so that you took the avenue that most suited you so that they adapt and they they already have the toolkit. They already have the knowledge and the intelligence and the wit and the empathy and and all these wonderful things, but they're not applying them necessarily in the right way because often we're not taught to apply them. We don't know that having a, you know a simple everyday mindfulness practice, which I'm a massive advocate for, you know, can actually make long-term difference. But having me there to open their mind to that and to let them experiment with what works best for them has real impact. And I want to correct you on one thing because you're incredibly humble and you said all the right things, but they do need you because right now they're sitting with a backpack full of self-help ideas and sure they could figure it out, but they can't figure it out. You're not optional if they want to have these transformational outcomes. So don't sell yourself short, even when you're being humble on a podcast and trying not to be like, I'm a big deal. You are a big deal. And what you're providing is critical help to get them from point A 
to point B. One other thing I'll call back is you brought up awareness again. I could see you doing two different video series, one on awareness and mindfulness, because it seems like it's something you're really passionate about and you really believe in to provide to your clients. And then the other one on something like self-help made easy with Sam or something like that. You And it's almost tongue in cheek. Hey, you see this book? I've half read it too, but I know what it says and let's give you the Cliff's Notes or let's, let's have some fun with what is Mel trying to say in this book? And it's almost like, uh, here's what you could do. You could do 60 seconds of self-help with Sam. So you're saying, here's Mel Robbins' high five habit. In 60 seconds, I'm going to tell you what it says. And then if you work with me, we can apply it. And every week you share another self-help theory that's out there. And of course, you would only share theories from books or thought leaders that you admire and recommend. But it'd be a way, because you want to provide that on-ramp for someone to say, yeah, I would like to have more self-confidence. Oh, Sam can be my guide to take me there. So that would be two different video series that you could do. And I love the other thing that you said was, I'm going to show up at myself, stutters and all, jokes and all, I'm going to be myself. And I think that empowers clients to also be themselves. If you overproduce these videos and made them look like CNN, I don't think that would be as approachable as you want to be. Yeah, that's so true. Last thing I'll ask is, what's the call to action? So someone sees a video, what are you inviting them to do? What's the next step? I would say get on a free call with me. I offer a free shorter, which is always tough, I tend to run over, um, coaching session because I just want people to get so much out of it, which is a chance for them to explore coaching with me. And when I explain it to people, it's like life coaching is so personal. You need to find the person that resonates with you. And if that's me, great. If it's not, great. So the only way you can learn if it's me is to experience me as a coach, take away some practical tools, and then decide. So that would be my call to action. So let's make that customized for each book or each topic that you're talking about. So you present, I'm going to use Mel because it's the only book I can think of right now, but The High Five Habit. Let's get on a call and talk about how this theory can be applied in your life. No charge, no catch, no spam, nothing weird. My job is to impact people just like you. Click the link and let's get it done. Because if you do it right in 15 or 20 minutes at the end, they're going to be saying, how can I need more of you? How do I get more of you? And there's your on-ramp. If we reflect to the beginning of your question, what do I do on social media is almost like we're all judging each other. Well, what do you do on social media? What do you do on social media? And it doesn't have to be that. To me, it's a communication tool and we have to be very intentional about what is the outcome that you're trying to deliver and then how do you create content that you feel comfortable and enthusiastic about delivering in a consistent way so you're reaching your ideal clients. That's what I would recommend. And it sounds like if you could get that done, an awareness series and then self-help made easy with Sam or something like that, that you're basically opening the door of, I can help you. All you need to do is book the meeting. It sounds like something you could sustain because if we tried to brainstorm a list of books or theories that you could talk on, I would imagine you'd have quite a long bookshelf. Yeah, very true. I guess if I may, can I ask one follow-up question? Please. So where my mind goes, and I guess this is maybe where I get blocked, is how do I get eyeballs on that? So if I just put it up on YouTube, which is great, great platform, 
how do I get more people going to it without again, having to create posts for Instagram, posts for LinkedIn and kind of funneling everyone towards these video series. I would use YouTube as the depository of the videos because it can be distributed anywhere once it's up there. And if you uh, tag it correctly and you have all the right keywords in YouTube, you'll get some organic search on that as well. Probably not a ton, but some. And then I would find the platform where your ideal clients live. If that's LinkedIn, probably is LinkedIn. I would just run for office on LinkedIn with these videos. The other thing that comes to mind, though, is if you wanted to do the 60 seconds of self-help, that could also be on Reels, YouTube Shorts, and TikTok which is very low production quality, very easy to burn and turn with your mobile device. And that way you're taking out all of the roadblocks and difficulties with editing and you don't have to overthink it. You can just cut it once and then then it's out there. So you'd get a lot of eyeballs on it if it was on TikTok or Reels or YouTube Shorts. And then have the full length video perhaps on YouTube that you're running for office on LinkedIn. I would just pick that one platform and then use that one platform. LinkedIn is probably it, isn't it? I would agree so, yeah. I always think that when my clients are on Instagram, they're at the point where they're in a distraction technique and they're just scrolling. They're not looking for answers anymore. They're in that mind-numbing, let's just, <laughs> my day's been stressful, <laughs> let's move on. So it doesn't matter how many times my face pops up or a piece of advice pops up, they're not there for that. So I agree, LinkedIn is my is my best platform. Well, I loved this conversation. I hope it was helpful because it's something that a lot of people face. What should I be doing on social media? And I just always want people to reverse engineer the outcome and then find content that they're passionate about and they can create and sustain. Sam Curtis, thank you so much for calling in. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful. Off to a great start. Thank you to Sam for calling in and starting our conversation today. We've got one more caller on the line. Jen, a Pilates studio owner, is standing by. We're going to talk to her next on The Pat Miller Show. Running a small business is lonely and hard. I mean, we know that, right? But did you know it doesn't have to be? Stop networking and start connecting with other entrepreneurs on the small business journey in the Idea Collective Small Business Incubator. In this exclusive worldwide community, we're sharing information, we're brainstorming together, and we're supporting each other through the highs and the lows of building your small business. Learn more about the group and get the feel of this show 24-7 in your small business. Visit ideacollectiveincubator.com. That's ideacollectiveincubator.com. Remember, it's your dream. Don't grow it alone. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show, a show built just for you. And isn't it about time that there's a show just for small business owners and solopreneurs like you? I mean, come on. We're getting up every single day and we're trying to build a dream, right? We're not trying to make some money. If we wanted to make money, we'd go back to corporate. God, no way would that happen. We're trying to build a dream, a legacy and something that matters. That's why we have this conversation every single week. We would love it if you would help us grow the show. Two ways you can do it. Rate and review the show on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. But most of all, click subscribe so that way you don't miss an episode of our show every single week. And of course, I got to say, when you're ready, you can hit up patmillershow.com and you can be a guest on the program. With that, we move on. 
Jen Stanford, Pilates studio owner, goddess. Welcome to the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? I'm good, Pat. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to have you. Uh, everyone needs to know what you do. I know you already because you're awesome, but everyone else needs to know about you. So tell us about you and the studio, and then we'll get to your question. Yeah, so my husband Mitchell and I own Club Pilates in Brookfield, and we I am ex-corporate finance turned Pilates instructor. Um, we offer equipment Pilates classes, mostly in the group format, but we do also offer private lessons. We have about 55 classes a week that are all instructor led. And we serve clients everywhere from teenagers to people in their 70s. Quite a wide range of clients. And I'm curious about the corporate finance to Pilates studio owner. Before we get to your question, how did that come about? <laughs> I needed a purpose. Um my corporate finance career was successful and it got to a point where I needed more of a purpose than making a penny on Wall Street. Mm. Isn't that the truth? So I was teaching yoga on the side. Mitchell, my husband was like, what are you doing? You're making $10. You're leaving the house for three hours teaching yoga. Um, I taught before work. I taught on the weekends and I loved it. I was an athlete kind of an ex-fitness junkie that settled on Pilates as a perfect medium between running marathons and doing yoga and playing soccer and everything else I've done in the past. Finding that purpose, leaving corporate to build something that means something. That's what I was just talking about. So I'm totally vibing with you. <laughs> now I'm extra excited to help you. What's on your mind? How can we help you today? It's a little bit cliche and probably something that we're all used to hearing all the time, but I'm struggling with hiring. And what I'm trying to figure out or solve for is how to find the right people to hire that embody kind of the same values that we do in the studio. So I could find I could find people, I could hire them, they could do a task, but kind of solving for this, I'm going to call it emotional maturity or emotional intelligence piece um, when I'm hiring. That's a great question and something that everybody runs into. Let's talk about the business itself. When you talk about the values in the studio, what are those values? Yeah. So we believe that Pilates is for everybody. It truly is. We have, if you can fit on the reformer, I mean, if you're tall enough and not seven feet, not too tall, you can fit on the reformer, you can do Pilates. Um, and even if you're too tall or too short, we can, we can do a private lesson, but we believe Pilates is for everybody and we want to encourage everybody to try it. I think so oftentimes people are afraid to try our studio because they think you have to be fit. They think you have to look a certain way. They think you have to whatever the box is. And so we want to encourage people to try Pilates. And that means that my front line, my front desk staff needs to be very welcoming and encouraging and let the people know that they really can do this which sounds easy, but finding that right person who can provide that welcoming environment as the first face in the studio isn't always the easiest. I love what you said there, the first face in the studio. I love that. And I think it's also important to call out how those early members would feel. Not only are they starting their fitness journey, which makes everyone feel gooey and weird, they're also, if they've never done Pilates before, they're encountering a piece of equipment that they're not used to, right? It's a different looking contraption. And once you learn how to use it, it's second nature. But when they first start out, when they are encountering that first face of the studio, you've got a big wall in front of them and the transformation that they're going for. The other thing that I love that you said is what you didn't say. 
I need someone who's punctual. I need someone who can use software. I need someone who's good on the phone. Like, no. You need a host. You need a cheerleader. You need everyone's biggest fan. Right? That's what you need because you could probably train the rest. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I totally can. Okay. So how are you struggling to find everyone's biggest fan? When you talk with people who might want to work there, where is the disconnect between they might fit or they're just not enthusiastic and welcoming enough? Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of the disconnect is probably just the the labor force right now. The You know, I'm having trouble finding that person who is genuine and willing to show up and cheerlead. And maybe I just need to post that I'm looking for a cheerleader. I don't know. Um, but if I look at I don't have sales in my job description anymore. It, it is, you know, it's a sales role. You sell memberships, but it's not, I don't want it to be salesy. Um, so I've kind of rewritten that. But I think the problem is finding the person who's maybe humble and finding a lot of people who think that they're in a position to demand certain things before they even get to know me or my studio. Um, and I think because there are so many people hiring, and maybe it makes sense that people are like that. And that's not everybody, though. But just the disconnect is trying to trying to figure out how to pitch the soft skills that I'm looking for and then find that person that has the same soft skills. So one way you could go about this is not hire a part-time employee and not position it as, I need someone to sit at the desk. One way you could position it is the studio's called Club Pilates, right? So you could position it as, we are now recruiting for the CP squad, The CP squad is a group of folks who are here to encourage people, make them feel welcome, and make sure everyone can enjoy fitness through Pilates. The right person for the CP squad is inclusive and encouraging and excited and happy and understands the transformational results of going through the process. Because I would imagine the people that fit this description have already done Pilates or they're already in your studio. If you get someone who got fired from the sandwich shop and you want them to come in and care about Pilates, they're going to be demanding. They're going to want stuff from you. They're not going to get it. But if you're basically creating the high school cheerleading squad out of people that already have school spirit, that's a totally different conversation than going to find employees off the street. So that would lead us to the next step of, could you fill this need with two or three or four part-time people who happen to be studio members rather than I need one full-time or one external part-time person to come in and solve the problem? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's something we've explored. The The challenge that we've run into there is that the job isn't all fun and games either. So there's times where our cheerleader has to let someone know that they can't come into class because they're too late. There's times when they're is an angry member that they have to deal with. And now that person who might have come from the studio is having to deal with this um, disgruntled member who maybe was just on the reformer next to them in class yesterday. <laughs> and so that's a great idea. But then the problem comes with the the, the handling of conflict, okay. which so isn't a big piece of the job, but happens. One of my favorite bosses used to say there's poop in every pasture. Right. So they're going to have some stuff they have to deal with. But uh, your deciding factor is going to be someone who lives your values and makes everyone feel comfortable as the first face of the studio. 
and they may not have to deal with angry customers. That might be where you step in, right? They call you, they text you, they leave you a note, and you have to deal with people that are not happy. Also, I would say cheerleaders work their butt off. Yes, they cheer and their deliverable is to be enthusiastic in school spirit, but they have a ton of practice and they got a bunch of work that they have to do in order to earn the right to perform. And I would also think the people that really value what your studio is about may be the most staunch defenders of those rules because they know what it's like when someone tries to come into class late and disrupts everything. Or they know what it's like when someone's on the reformer not following the rules or being inconsiderate or whatever it might be or not listening to the teacher. Like they may be the ones that want to uphold the standards of the studio. So you might not anticipate that this CP squad or whatever you want to call it ends up being the folks that want to keep the flame that you and Mitchell have set. Yeah, very true. Can I throw you a curveball now? Sure. So we're all about inclusivity in the studio. Cheerleading sounds pretty exclusive to me. Cheerleader squad. Mm -hmm. I made the team. So I need to repitch that as something else. Great natural follow-up question by Jen here. If we pull out your best members and give them status and nobody else feels like they've made the team, are we creating this status layer that will actually alienate users? That's not what I meant. And I do want to clarify because when you create an opportunity for everyone to be a part of the team, you do then have the opportunity for some natural leaders to emerge. I explained it here. I wouldn't call them cheerleaders. We're just using it on the air as a chance to <laughs> set the standard of the kind of thing we're looking for. And maybe sure. it's not uh, positioned as a singular group of four or five people. Maybe it is a fan club for the studio that everyone could join. So you're saying, do you love Club Pilates? Then become a member of the CP squad. And when you're a member, what that means is... 10% off protein shakes and, you know, one free class every month or a couple of little cookie benefits that they get for becoming a member of the squad. But you're getting people to self-identify. I love this place and I want it to be this way. So it's a fan club for the studio from members inside the studio. But what you'll see when you do this, when you put the sign up list on the wall and say, who loves this place enough to tell other people that they love this place? The people who put their names up there the fastest, those are your targets. Hey, Linda, could you do like two nights a week here? Would you like to do that? Because I want more people to see people like you when they come in. Like you may just have to go shake the trees and find out who your biggest fans are and ask them to come be a part of the team. Again, back to something you might be surprised about. The people that are most passionate about your place wouldn't feel like you're offering them a job. They would feel like I'm part of the team oh my gosh, I'm now on the inside. There's so much value in that. You might be able to find two or three people, cobble them together and fill this need. Yeah, I like that. Does that make sense about transitioning from a small group of people to a fan club for the studio? Yes, yes. The wheels are turning right now. <laughs> I could feel the wheels turning. So let's do this. Just for the sake of helping people understand how something like this goes. What roadblocks are popping up in your mind of, oh, I couldn't do this, or, oh, I couldn't do that, or I don't even know where to start? Let's just assume you were going to. I'm not saying you're going to, but for the sake of discussion, let's say you were going to go launch a CP squad. What are some of the things that come up in your mind of, oh, I got to solve for X, Y, and Z? 
Um, the design, first of all. So how I bring it to the members, how I, we've, you and I have talked about this before, but words are not my strong suit. So the languaging around it. And then the secondary piece is, yes, if I have a thousand people signed up, which would be amazing. And the top of the list, as you said, is probably the most excited, probably the ones I'm going to talk to first. How do I handle or what do I do with the people who maybe, you know, everybody can't get on the inside right away. So how do I handle that for the people that aren't on the want to be on the inside, but aren't going to be on the inside right now? Great question. So the first thing is the words will come in your natural modality, very similar to what we talked about earlier in the episode with Sam. If you like to have a phone call or you like to look in a video camera or you like to write in a journal, you need to write about what does Club Pilates mean? Why are we here? What are we doing? How are we different? How are we not like everyone else? What makes us special? And just brain dump. Brain dump two or three pages like that or five minutes looking in the camera or using your notes on your phone. Why you're passionate and how you're different. All the words that you would need to launch the Club Pilates uh, squad would come from that dump. And you would hear all those words that make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside about how you're special. So that'll solve the word problem. The second thing is when you sign up for the club, everyone can get in the club and everyone gets a cookie if they join the club. Once the club exists, then you can go to the club and say, okay, fam, We've got a couple of opportunities to help us be that first face in the studio. Would anyone be interested in that? We're going to have a meeting where we're going to get together and we'll talk about what it means to be uh, the first face in the studio and see if this might be a fit for you. Then once they self-identify from that list, then you can lay it on them as about what it means to be uh, a member of the CP squad at the front desk and go from there. I, I just believe, really believe you can train the work stuff, but you can't train the passion for the studio, the belief in how you're different. And that right first face is not going to come from some former McDonald's employee that's never done Pilates in their life. I wholeheartedly agree. And that's why I've, for the most part, stopped my job postings on online for the moment. Well, it sounds like a great opportunity, and I appreciate you sharing it. And when it's done... I want you to come back on and share your small business celebration so you can tell us all about the CP squad or whatever you end up calling it, because I'm sure uh, that you'll be able to figure it out. Jen Stanford, Brookfield, Wisconsin. Thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Pat. That does it for this episode of the Pat Miller Show. So we've done a couple of episodes now. You've heard what we're all about. Come on. Are you ready? We don't bite. We want to help you create a great big idea and grow your business, or we want to hear your small business celebration. What do you got to brag about? We've got options available later on this summer. You just need to get on the calendar. Go to patmillershow.com, patmillershow.com, and tell us what you want to talk about, what you want to celebrate, and reserve a time that works for you because we're here to collaborate with you to help you grow. I'm your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, here to help you build your small business dream. Remember, it's your dream. Don't grow it alone. Earlier in the episode, we talked social media, something everybody worries about in the small business owner space with Sam Curtis. Sam, thanks for coming back on. I want to make sure people know about your life coaching. So uh, who's the ideal client? Who are you looking to connect with? Um, it's going to sound a bit cheesy, but the catchphrase I 
kind of always keep in my head is I work with people who have ticked all the boxes but haven't solved all the problems. They've, you know, they followed the expectations of family, of society, of friends, of their own pressures, of getting, you know, good grades in school, then getting the right degree, then getting the right job. And then they're like, now what? Because life runs out of tick boxes and there's, you know, how can I find my partner? How can I find the person I want to spend my life with? How can I change career entirely? Because this isn't at all what I thought it would be. How do I find out who I am? I find that so often they come presenting with, yeah, something like, oh, this, I'm not sure this is the right job for me. And I'm like, great. And we dig into it. And actually what they're not sure about is who they are, Mm. how they love themselves, what they value, what their purpose is in life. And that's the real deep work. That's the stuff I love doing. What goes off in their head that makes them think there's got to be more than this, this dissatisfaction alarm that makes them think, wait a minute, I'm a perfect person, but I have imperfect results. What makes them go, I need help? It's emotions and it's emotions that they are not taught to understand. You're highly intellectual and we get told that everything that's important happens in the top, what, 5% of our body and our brains are on the show but there's a hell of a lot going underneath, right? Our emotions drive us. Our emotions are are our guiding light. They're our compass to some extent. And we've all been trained, all maybe is a bit extreme, but generally I find that my clients have been trained to suppress or repress their emotions. And then they start having all these bubbling feelings. They're getting more stressed. They're getting more anxious. They're, They're starting to cry and they don't know why, or they're getting angry and they don't understand it. Or they're just arguing more with people in their lives because they're failing to communicate because they don't understand what's going on in their body and with their emotions. And so it becomes a point where they just want to fix it, right? They want to fix that emotion. They want to get rid of it. And they've tried everything logically. Oh, well, I've changed career or I've, I've asked for the promotion or I've found a new person. I've started dating again. But the emotion's still there because they haven't aligned with their values. Do you end up fixing their feelings or helping them embrace them and use them for power? Great question. Always, always embrace. I talk about emotions as a beach ball. So if we repress and suppress, it's like taking a beach ball and pushing it underneath the water. And the more we repress and suppress, we push it further and further down. And so my job is not to just open, like lift my hands off it and watch that beach ball go sky high. It's to help them gently ease that beach ball back up to the surface. So when they embrace their emotions on a day-to-day basis, there isn't this big explosion. That is such a great visual. Your phrases and your visuals are so powerful. Uh, How do you deliver the coaching? Are you doing groups? Are you doing one-on-one? Is it written? Is it live? Is it in person? Like, how do you go about doing it? Because everybody does it differently. That's so true. And that's what I love about coaching is there are so many of us that you can find the right person to support you right? So look around, ask those questions. It's so important if you're trying to figure this out. For me, I do my coaching one-on-one. That's when I'm at my best. So at the moment, I haven't branched out into group coaching. I just do one-on-one. I have a couple of different packages at different price points and for different lengths of time. I'm also incredibly flexible. So I, although there's sort of time frames on things, I really leave that up to us as a partnership in the coaching relationship to decide how frequently you need sessions. Um, Because ultimately it's your life, it's your day to day, it's your emotions and your experiences. And if we just cram more in, we're not gonna get the best results. 
I love your perspective. I loved our conversation before. I'm glad that the folks that listen to the show get a chance to meet you. Sam Curtis, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Pat. It's been an honor. We came up with some ideas for Jen Stanford and her Pilates studio in Brookfield, Wisconsin, earlier in the show. Uh, Jen, I'm curious about Pilates. You know, I'm not a thousand years old, but I'm not 20 anymore. It seems like Pilates is coming on strong and becoming more popular. Am I crazy or has it always been as popular as it is right now and I just live under a rock? No, you're you're right, Pat. Pilates is becoming more popular, I would say, especially within the past year. It's got a lot of recent PR from celebrities and all of that good stuff. But Pilates has been around for a long time. It's it's taken off and for a really good reason. Sell me on Pilates. Why is it better than running or swimming or CrossFit? What is the strength of doing Pilates workouts? I love Pilates and I hope you do too because it lengthens and strengthens all of the different muscle groups. So no muscle is undertrained or overtrained. If you run, you're clearly using specific muscles over and over and over again. And if you don't train the other muscles, you'll be out of balance and potentially injure yourself. So Pilates, we're working within limited ranges. We're working with spring resistance. So you're not doing nothing, but you're also not lifting a hundred pounds. And it will not only keep you safe during your workout, but also probably limit injury while you do other things in your life. You mentioned in the call that you were formerly in corporate finance, and now you've opened a business like this to follow your passion. What are some of the biggest things that you learned when you went from corporate employee to running your own thing? I have nobody else. And this is kind of a fun thing, actually. I have nobody else to blame for my problems, and I have nobody else to report to. So <laughs> I'm uh, all the successes I'm responsible for and all the failures I'm responsible for, which sounds scary, but is pretty fun. Why does that turn you on so much? How is that different than corporate? And corporate... I had very limited control over what I could influence. And in the Pilates studio, I can influence in a positive way everybody's daily life. In corporate, I was a middleman, upper management, lower management. I never never got to the top. I wasn't at the bottom. I was just kind of floating in the middle. Um, So here I have a purpose. I connect directly to every one of my clients and members in a really positive, fantastic way. And it's nice to be able to bring something of value to their lives. Pilates studios are all around the country and all around the world. So if someone is curious about Pilates and they're listening in San Diego, they can find one there. Normally, this is where we tell people, hey, get a hold of Jen to work with her. But that's not really practical if someone doesn't live in Brookfield, Wisconsin. So thank you for sharing the message on Pilates. Let's help people in another way. Do you have a piece of advice or something that you've learned along the way that you think other people should act on? Something that helped you get further faster because you learned this thing? I think doing, and again, it sounds cliche, like I said earlier, but doing the right things consistently. So we developed, when we opened the studio, we developed processes and we follow those daily, weekly, monthly. And if you do all of the things that you set out to do consistently, I think the right things just automatically happen. So I like to, I think metrics are important. I think that numbers are important, clearly, as a corporate (laughs) finance person. But I also think that there's a huge danger in overlooking at your numbers. So did I meet, what are my sales like for the week, for the month, for the quarter? I think that it's important to look at those and it's important to have goals, but that shouldn't be the primary focus. I think if we do the right things, um, the right activities each day, and we treat people well, then the numbers come. And what's the danger of looking at them too much? It's just a finite mindset that doesn't really help anyone. So let's say, you know, I'm here at the end of the month and 
we are part of a franchise. So our corporate office is encouraging us to close out the month. They're encouraging us to generate all the leads they can, all the sales they can. Um, so if I spend my next, well, how many days we have left? Five days of the month left trying to make all the sales that I can, then I'm going to lose sight on what I set out to do. I'm going to lose sight on my members, on the classes, on making sure that everybody's taken care of in the studio and everything's running smoothly because I'm so busy chasing these extra three, four sales that in all reality are probably going to come whether they hit in July or August. That's a great mindset. And I am admiring you as a former corporate employee in finance that you are respecting the fact that metrics are important, but not the only thing. So good for you. Uh, Jen Stanford, uh, Club Pilates in Brookfield. It's great to talk with you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Pat, for having me. Guests on the Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of this show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.